Welcome to the Open Talks podcast broadcast. And this special episode is brought to you by the UT Library and produced by our experts at the TEL team of the UT. My name is Roberto Cruz, and I will be your host for this episode. And specifically in this episode, we will talk about open access, also known as open access publications, because that's what it's about. But we will talk about it from, on one hand, a broad perspective. So we will tackle tackle questions such as, should scientific knowledge be free and easy to access for everybody? And on top of that, we will also address more practical and local issues, such as what are we as a university doing to facilitate open access? And how are we doing so far in that regard? But before we begin, we I would like to introduce uh, the guests that we have today at our table. We have three of them. First, let me introduce Nicole Lorbach, and actually I will let her introduce herself uh, about what she does here at the UT. So, Nicole, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, I'm Nicole. I am, uh, together with Roberto, uh, one of the two uh, open access specialists from the university library. Uh, and what we do is we try to get as many publications um, at the UT open access as possible. Yes, exactly. That's already a good giveaway. Uh, but I would like to also introduce another of our guests. Uh, let me begin with Sofia Bastoni. Would you like to introduce yourself, please? Hi. Uh, yes, my name is Sofia Bastoni, as you already said. I am a PhD student in my third year at the University of Twente, and my topic is implementation of e-mental health for informal caregivers. Nice. Can you give us a preview about open access? Have you already heard about that? Yes, uh, actually, the project that I'm working on is um, all about open data and open oh, science. Nice. And so it's not that I know about it <laughs> <laughs> right. a lot, but the, let's say that's a big topic also as a, you know, a starting yeah. point for you from our, our project. Nice. Okay. Interesting. We'll get to hopefully hear more about that. But uh, I will also like to introduce our third, but also very important guest, Thomas Vassen. Hi. Would you like to introduce yourself, please? Yes, <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, so my name is Thomas Vassen. I work in, as an assistant professor uh, at the UT. Uh, I'm doing mainly r uh, research on uh, mental resilience, so how people uh, deal with uh, stressful events and then specifically stressful daily hassles. Nice. Okay. I would like to repeat the question that I asked Sophia. Do you already have something in your mind when you hear open access? I definitely have something in mind. Um, yeah, um, I'm a... Uh, Researcher? Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no, so I, I really try to uh, publish as much open access as possible. Yeah. Um, but uh, I also sometimes run into some issues uh, there, uh, which no doubt we're going to talk about later in this podcast. Yes, yes, exactly. And, and you know, that was... Actually, uh, the first point well, which is it, uh, that we wanted to address, uh, just to openly ask you what you know about this uh, or what questions you have, I, I will do that in, in a second. Because after that, uh, Nicole and, and I will also try to, to give some, let's say, introduction about it. But uh, before we move to that, is there a question that, that, you, that comes to your mind right now, Sophia or Thomas, about, okay... Anything that you really are, mm, I'm wondering about this, or I never heard about that. Uh, anything comes to your mind about open access? I will think about it. Not on the okay. top of my mind, but I will think about it. Yeah. 
Thomas? Yeah, so I would really like to know um, what possibilities there are uh, provided by the UT to publish open access. Nice. Uh, that's a uh, good question. And just for the record, we did not tell you to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's actually a very common question, I think. We will get to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's. so basically we will have, let's say, two rounds uh, at the beginning. We just want to give you, a, like I mentioned, a soft introduction about this. Nicole will mainly do that. And yeah, then we're going to, you know, discuss those points, ask you a bit more about open access in general. And later on, we will also, you know, we want to to be more specific. In fact, talk about uh, what we do here at the UT, those kind of things, how much you already know or how, why else do you think you should know, things like that. But so basically two rounds we will have. But uh, Nicole. Would you like to start with, a with an introduction about open access? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people at the UT, like you too, um, who are already publishing and publishing open access don't need this intro. Um, but for anyone who doesn't have a clue, um, so researchers publish the results of their research. So the rest of the world and other researchers can read what they did and other researchers can, can build upon that research. That's how science works, right? So uh, traditionally, that happened in um, subscription journals where you have to pay to read the content. And it's worked like that for a long time. And at a certain point, quite a long time ago, over 20 years ago, uh, people started thinking this, this whole model isn't, isn't very good for science and for society. Um, taxpayers are paying money to have research done um, but they can't read the results of that research. And we are lucky enough to be working at a very, very rich university that pays millions of euros every year for subscriptions. Uh, but a lot of other researchers aren't that lucky. So to make science something for all the researchers in the entire world uh, and for all people interested in science, um, they came up with open access. So they publications, the results of research, should be openly accessible, which means there are no legal or technical or financial barriers to accessing that information. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the basis. So open access means anyone in the world with an internet connection can, can get to those results. And, and, and before I, I give the, the opportunity to Thomas and Sophia to react about this, uh, I will also just add the note that, for example, in my case, I recently had to do that switch, right? I was a PhD candidate as well, doing research, and then I, well, I got to know you as part of my new role, and, and then you get into this, and as you are explaining it now, at least, uh, I want to know also what's your opinion, because you realize there are there is a certain depth, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you hear about something, different types of open access, or this and that, and you realize, wow, this is difficult, <laughs> you know, or it's complex, let's say. But uh, let's, let's go to Sofia, could, could you, did this already make you think about something? What, what does it make you think to hear these things? Yeah, um, so the first th thought that I have about it is when I was not a PhD candidate uh, yet here. Uh, I was working elsewhere and I was an assistant, a uh, research assistant. Um, and uh, I would have a lot of trouble sometimes getting to uh, papers. And uh, now that I work here, as you said, I don't notice it as much because we do have a lot of subscriptions with most of the journals that I would al already look into. Um, so I, at one, like at the starting point, I already feel it less, but I remember some years ago and maybe 
it's not just the difference of the university uh, that makes the clear, you know, uh, difference between the two experiences. It's also maybe the passing of time because maybe more journals uh, have made the choice to become open access. For example, um, I remember the journals that I've published in so far, most of them, they are already open access, like without mm -hmm. even like, you know, having the choice. There are some journals that have the choice between getting an open access uh, track or not. Yeah. Um, and it also has, I think, differences in uh, uh, APF uh, discounts. Yeah, the costs. Yeah, the costs, yeah. sorry. Or discounts, yeah. Exactly. Publishes uh, and uh, cost discount. And um, uh, one other, maybe, you know, I, I said I would think about a question and I had one in mind. So yeah, I don't know if it? that's uh, pertinent already, but there's this um, platform which is called Open Access Europe, which mm -hmm. is... Uh, she knows, uh, <laughs> which I didn't know that well, but it's uh, apparently dedicated to those publications that come from research funded by the Euro European projects. And that's apparently all about uh, open access and, you know, yes, so that kind of experience. So if there's time or if it's interesting, maybe if you want to. I can go into it now. If yeah, please we go have ahead. time. Yeah, so you're referring to OR. Uh, yeah. Open Research Europe, and um, and you just said more and more journals journals are are using the open access uh, model, but it's also that we're becoming less dependent on journals to publish because there are platforms and and there are other ways to to publish your preprints and and to add later versions and, and things like that. So we are getting more. Uh, and more options in that respect. Open Research Europe is a what they call an F1000 um, platform. Um, um, it's just a website, basically, where anyone who got um, funding from the European Union, they can post their research there, and it's a publish first, uh, review later model where you can just publish your work there and all kinds of people from around the world can react to it. But I, I think they also, I, I need to check that, but I think they also have reviewers to from your field to actually do the peer review there uh, and that's open too. So uh, yes, that's a whole nice new option for open access. Yeah, so I was actually looking into that for uh, my next paper. And then one other thing that this makes me uh, think about making a lot of noise, is <laughs> the open access fund at the department. I don't know if that's one topic that we're going to... At the faculty, you yeah, mean? Sorry, yeah, sorry, the faculty. Yeah, the faculty of VMS, where yeah. you are at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's something that we can also address. I, 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 I think we will make a note of that, uh, and then I will first let Thomas also maybe give us more questions or impressions. Uh, so, Thomas, you already heard quite a bit. Yes, <laughs> yes. What's your uh, perspective on, on Yeah, on so first of all, I, I didn't know about OR, and, and I'm uh, very excited to hear uh, about these uh, new initiatives. Um, yeah, so uh, before, when I heard you two uh, talk, I think, um, indeed, there was like uh, two kind of uh, publics uh, to which open access is uh, important, right? So first of all, researchers, and still, I think, even though uh, here at UT we're very lucky indeed to have um, uh, access to so many uh, journals. But I have also worked in different universities before and still um, there is uh, lots of universities don't have subscription to all journals. 
and uh, which is also very which makes it very difficult as a researcher to really cite a relevant literature if you have to purchase that because I don't think that is something that uh, researchers do um, a lot. Um, and then there's of course also um, indeed the taxpayers like the general public and um, yeah my thoughts on that were um, also so um, results and studies can be open access uh, publicly available um, but I think there's also a next step involved and tied to that and that is the um, the readability the the really the, the access because it's not only that the uh, lit the results are available but also that they are understandable so i think it's also the component of the communication about those uh, scientific articles that is important especially um when you think about um access for the public yeah that's yeah. that's a very good point actually when you look at the berlin declaration on open access that's like the starting point that's one of the things mentioned there yes yeah. It shouldn't just be available, but but actually accessible. Uh -huh. Yeah, and and that's also what I just to kind of uh, wrap up this this first round uh, of of discussion. I go back to what I said at the beginning. You know that there is such a level of complexity. You know there are initiatives, there are regulations per country, there are different universities who have different policies or maybe don't have. There are many platforms. Uh, you know, and and that's so. Yeah, of course, the objective is that researchers uh, should be to really find, uh, uh, should be facilitated in doing this, or maybe effortlessly, right? That's what we wish. But also what Nicole said at one point, like, uh, for example, she said it herself, like, oh, we need to check that. Or, or you say, yeah, I need to check that. But in my mind, it was, we need to check that because there is so much and, and that we try to support and not just us, we have a whole team behind us. And it's, it's it, yeah, it, it takes time, it takes strategy. We need to make choices how to communicate things because we don't want to, we don't want to overload the uh, researchers. Of course, we want to make it as easy as possible, like you said. So to me, yeah, on one hand, it's interesting because it's, it's, it's nice to have that job, I think, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's challenging, you know, and I guess that's part of the, of the first uh, also. Um, but yeah, that, thank you. I think for this first round that I would like to, kind of move on a bit, but it's going to be the same process anyway, questions, things that pop up to your mind. Um, but I, I then I, I would like to ask you both, uh, also we will address the points that you mentioned, but I would like to ask you something uh, more specific. Uh, you already mentioned, for example, these, these OR platform, you mentioned, Sophia, you asked about the, the faculty fund, we will get to that. But I wonder what else do you already know uh, regarding open access support at the UT? Like what other tools have you heard about? Or if you want to publish and you want to publish open access, let's say, where do you look? What do you know of? Uh, could, could you maybe try to just recall what happens? And, and again, this is a challenge. You don't have to give the full answer, but I'm uh, we're curious about that. So Sophia, would you like to maybe try and provide your own perspective on that? Yeah, um, so yeah, a difficult question, but um, so I can, if I take this question from a like a analytical side, I can imagine that when I want to publish, I look into the journals that have already um, discounts, for example, at the university or that have, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, discount from the journal browser at the university. Uh -huh, that's what I was I going know to about ask. That. Uh -huh. um, One point. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, so, um, but I 
noticed that also some of the journals that I am more interested in and that I also know you have published in, for example, um, they don't have an, uh, a discount with the university. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I know that there's this journal browser that can uh, support you in the choice of the journal that is um, yeah, more suitable for you from a content point of view, from a ratings point of view, but also uh, guide you in that um yeah, decision-making about also funds, so to be mindful of funds and those uh, journals that do offer open access. And then I know that there's a whole, let's say, process that a researcher should follow in like decision-making of the journal that they want to pick um, that takes into account the fact that the journal is open access or is not open access and there's uh, funds up, um, available or discounts available or the open access funds. So I know that there's a whole let's say, stepwise checklist for researchers to guide their choice for publication. That's something that I know. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. And, and if I if I can throw a question to you is, uh, I mean, we already know each other, but before, you know, if it wasn't, uh, let's say, through us, did, did you already knew who to contact at, at the UT? Did you, how, what kind of uh, information was getting to you at one point there? Was that? Uh... Yeah, that's a good point. Um, we already knew each other, you said, but uh, mostly I got this information from peers and colleagues. So, for example, I had this a colleague of mine, which I worked uh, with in close context for the first year of my PhD, and we actually published a, a mm -hmm. paper together. So he was, I was new at the university, he was there for some time already, so he was walking me through also the Journal Finder, for example, platform. So it was, for me, more, let's say, peer-to-peer. Peer-to-peer, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I will say just before I, I go to Thomas, th that makes sense, and that's what we will want uh, once we know that everybody's informed, you know, <laughs> properly. Because there are, that also happens the other way, right? That they have a certain journal that they like, doesn't matter if it's open access or not, and, and they go with their custom. That's always a challenge of trying to change that. It's not that we want to change it, but we want to make sure again that it's compliant with the policy and everything we want here at the UT. Uh, but Thomas, uh, I would like to throw this same question at you. What do what else do you already know about open access support at the UT? Is there anything else that comes to your mind that you already know about what Sophia mentioned? Can you react on that? Yeah. Um, so I guess um, so. When applying for scientific grants, uh, there's always a possibility to um, uh, declare money for uh, publishing open access in a bench fee. So uh, there's one possibility, of course, that's not specific to the UT, obviously. Um, but I do believe that um, UT also has some budget. Um, for uh, publishing open access in, in case, um, yeah, the, there is no uh, such bench, bench fee. Um, and yes, we, we uh, I think I received emails about that as well. Um, so I do feel that if I need to look into that, I know where to find the information. It's not that I know that all by heart. I don't, I would know immediately who to go to, but I'm confident that I would know how to look for the correct information, yes. Okay, thank you. Um, we all we all also had already a key question also prepared for you, but I, I don't want to throw that in yet. I would like to also to give the microphone again to Nicole because, well, it's up to you, Nicole, if, if, if we share this or not, but let's talk about the different options or let's talk about 
yeah, okay, now our what we want the researchers to know, you mm -hmm. know, what's the process that we want them to follow. For example, to get to the fonts and other options. Would you like to start about that? And at yeah. any point, let me know if you want. Um, I think the basic question for researchers at this point um, is contact your information specialist. Every faculty has an information specialist. Uh, Roberto is, is specialist open access, but also the information specialist uh, at BMS together with uh, Marit. Mm -hmm. But every faculty has its own uh, information specialist or specialists, and they are the link between the university library and all the research support and the researchers and students. Um, if they you know, have questions about doing research. So we're, we're not talking about the content. You should talk to, to your supervisors and your promoter, uh, if, if you're a PhD student, or to your colleagues about that. But anything that can guide the research process, just ask your information specialist. Uh, Thomas, you said um, sometimes we don't have a su subscription to the journals that I would like to get the content from. Go to your information specialist, because they also decide about what um, journals to get a subscription to. So that's your, your go-to point. Uh, any questions about open access publishing while we're here today, ask your information specialist. If uh, you're better off with someone from the grants department or with someone from the open access team or with someone from the library, they will be able to uh, guide you towards that person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, that's also what we mentioned before, right? It's not that open access, everything falls on us too, because we work more on also what's going on nationally, etc. Um, but in fact, yeah, there is a whole set of specialists that in one point of the process, they can help us, you know, it's not that I decide just like that, who, which journals to subscribe to, but we are in communication. And in the end, it's our colleagues who also handle all of those uh, processes. Uh, and, and so, for example, I, I think that's one of the key messages, right? Like that the we want and we continue to try and be civilized or make visible that information specialists are that contact point. But I also, if, if I react to that, I also know that uh, we still very often get the emails from researchers at the end, you know, like, hey, uh, I published my paper was accepted in a journal. I wanted open access. Where do I get money from? <laughs> you know, and, and at that point it's like, well... <laughs> Uh, uh, let's see, but I, I cannot make money appear, right? So that's a challenge when it comes. So we, ideally, yes, we want them to come to us at the beginning of the process. Uh, and then I will also like us to mention or to, to emphasize what Sophia was talking about, like the UT Journal browser. Yeah. Um, she, she actually had a very, very nice description yes. of the <laughs> journal browser. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah, because, you know, this is really the tool uh, where any researcher at the UT, and in fact... At other Dutch universities, we have we share the same system, correct? Because yes. it was created in a specific university in Wageningen, but then it was adapted so we, we can all benefit from it. Um, but yeah, in, if you go there, indeed, Sophia, you can see, you can find the, the journal, search for them, see which ones have discounts. And I also wanted to mention that point. I, I usually, that's also why I like to point out that the discounts are not because the UT by itself is paying for, you know, for a subscription or something. I mean, we do that, right? We pay subscriptions to journals. But those discounts that are there are most of them, or if not all, correct me if I'm wrong, but they are part of the national agreements that all universities, all Dutch universities made with specific publishers. 
uh, if I'm not mistaken, all of them are basically transformative agreements, correct? Yes, not not all journals. Um, uh, there's not an agreement for all universities for all journals. Yeah. Some, maybe uh, the technical universities choose to have certain Certainly. journals together. Yeah. But yes, overall, there are more than 10,000 journals for UT researchers that they can publish in open access at a 100% discount. Yeah, exactly. And yes, Thomas, you want you have yes, a question? Yes, I have a question actually. Yes. So sometimes um, research that I want to cite is not published in a journal, but in a book chapter, for instance. Are there any tools or are these uh, are there any other ways to also access um, those chapters? Uh, you mean uh, a book chapter, for example, that yeah. is not open access? Yeah. Well. I will say yes, because uh, first of all, in, in principle, uh, and that's something so uh, one of the differences that we can also address, you know, in a publisher's website or in a journal website, uh, you might sometimes find, of course, that it's behind a paywall. Uh, ideally, if you are logging in, of course, through the UT credentials and we are subscribed to that, you will get it. That also sometimes applies to, to books or book chapters. Um, but uh, th that's a difference that I would like to mention, that uh, if you find it there in a publisher's or journal's website, that's what we call the the gold route or golden route, correct? Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, that's available in there. And I'll, part also of, I will say, the progress that, that has happened in terms of open access is also the green route, where this is sometimes found uh, rather than in a publisher or journal's website, it's found in, a, for example, a university repository. I will say regarding your question that it, it really depends, you know, uh, what uh, where you can find uh, a publication or an academic work. So ideally, you do expect that there is a version of it that is open access. And that also touches upon another important topic with open access, which was the reusability of, of that work, the, the copyright license, for example. Um, for instance, a lot of authors of, of uh, book chapters they are allowed often or uh, sometimes to, to share their work when you ask them. But that's the barrier. <laughs> you have to ask them and they have to read your email or respond to it. But uh, there are all platform, other platforms that also try to facilitate uh, these open access versions. Plus, yeah. um, there's always interlibrary loan where uh, we as a library can ask other libraries who have a subscription to share it with us and send it to you. Yep. Um, and you can find that on the university library website. Can I just throw in some URLs? Because <laughs> yeah, <let's laughs> we it. have u20.nl slash library. That's our library website. You can find all kinds of information there and all the databases. Um, we have u20.nl slash open access, where you can find all our information on open access. And we have u20.nl slash librarians, and you can find all the contact info uh, on your information specialist. Yeah, yeah. In fact, of course, we will uh, make these links available in the platforms where, where this podcast will be available, just to make sure that everybody has also, let's say, our recommender sources. Uh, but I hope I kind of answer your question, Thomas. You know that it, it can be tricky, but that's the point. You know that if a researcher didn't think about open access option mm -hmm. for their work, it might be, of course, harder to to get to that. And yeah. you also and you also can tell open access publications are cited more often just because they're more available and, and that kind of um, hinders the, the whole scientific process right so 
another pro for open access. Oh yeah. Nicole, in, in fact, one of the links will be there <laughs> about these advantages. Huh? Yeah, go sorry, ahead. Sorry, Nicole. I had a question about the, was it interlibrary? Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, I used it once for a physical book. So to actually get a copy from another university. So, but from what you're saying, it also sounded like you can get it for uh, digital um, access. Like how would it work? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, oh, sorry, uh, maybe it was for you. Then. No, I I, I can uh, uh, because that's also what like, well we talk about the interlibrary yeah. loan at that that's point. That's how I but, discovered uh, it. Because yes, exactly. <laughs> but in fact, uh, yes, also for digital materials, uh, and again we we come to that topic where our colleagues the, from the library back office, which do a lot of the magic in that regard, they are the ones who who check with the libraries, check if it's possible uh, to get these ma these online materials. Sometimes, but this is, you know, in uh, in, in case also for students, uh, there is a, a small cost uh, if there is an article or something, but most of the time it's possible, you know. So you, if you find this or if you use this interlibrary loan form, which is in the library website, you fill it in and we will check it and then we will tell you, yes, here it is, it's possible or, or we will inform you about it. And so that, that's definitely one of the ways where, of course, we want to make literature accessible to to everybody and as long as there is an open access way or some uh, you know freedom in the reusability of those materials even though we don't have a subscription yeah there is a way uh, so i don't know if you have any other questions because uh, i do have a, a a last topic to to discuss but is there anything in your mind we can no i'm curious about All the right. last topic <laughs> well that's the last topic is actually one of the one thing that we also, I think, wanted to mention, because it rounds up what we have been discussing, which is, uh, and I'm going to let you, Nicole, talk about this, because you, you know it, because you created it, among others, <laughs> uh, the UT Open Access Policy. And also, if you can mention, because I think you should mention this, what's the result of that policy? Uh, could you yeah. address that? Sure. So, uh, since... December 2021, we as a university have a new open access policy. Uh, and as part of that, we have open access regulations, which is a fancy word for something that has proven to be very good. So uh, basically, the new policy says um, anyone who publishes uh, with the University of Twente on the publication as affiliation uh, should um, register their publication in, in pure, uh, like. It w that was always the case. Um, and the most important part of, of the new policy is preferably everyone publishes open access immediately, so the golden route that you talked about, Roberto, um, with Not a license for available, reuse. Others can reuse it um, as they please within the boundaries of the license. If that preferred route is not possible, then there's a backup route. Um, and that is making your publication openly available, so without a license for reuse, um, in our University of Twente repository, UT Research Information. And that's where the regulations come along. Um, we have new regulations, which means that you as researchers don't have to put in a lot of effort and time to make that happen. You just register your publication in PURE and our library back office team, who, who, like Roberta said, do a lot of the magic, they will open up your publication 
that is a closed publication behind a paywall, they will open it up in our repository after six months based on an amendment in the Dutch Copyright Act. So it's all very legal. Um, and they will do so with the final published version of your work. So it's even the version that you want to share. And by doing that, um, uh, we calculate an open access percentage every year. We, we try to reach 100. Um, and it was 68 in 2020. And in 2021, uh, we were at 97% because of that. Uh, also, the golden the golden route increased, but you know everything that couldn't be published that way um, was opened up through the regulations. Uh, and there's a small part that is still closed, and that's simply because the PDF hadn't been uploaded to Pure, or because um, there were no UT authors uh, who were on a payroll, mm -hmm. um, uh, so we couldn't. I use the regulations for that. But other than that, yes, the new policy has proven very successful. Yes, yes, thank you, exactly. Do you have a question? No, I'm, I'm very excited to hear this. Yeah. Um, I do have a question, but maybe I'll ask it later. Whatever you prefer. Uh, if you want, if it, if it still holds uh, after a yeah. bit, you can come back, don't worry. Okay. Um, and I, I, yeah, Sophia, you have I also. I have a small question. Yeah, uh, it's more about definitions because I don't know if like everyone knows. I don't, for example, exactly the difference between when you say open for use, if you mean accessing, like for example, the data sets or something like that, or what is exactly it's meant by. Good question. No, we're we're really just talking about the publication so so the written results of your research but reuse means i cannot just read it myself um, but i can uh, download it i can use it for educational purposes i can reuse it to publish in another way um, if if the license permits so. so so it's just anything you want to do with it um yeah, there are licenses, and that's for another podcast, maybe. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Thank that, uh, yeah. Th thank you also for that great question because that is a topic in itself, and this might be a really good candidate for 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 our next episode. Um, I have something to to add, but I don't know if Thomas that question. Yeah, that was actually exactly my question because I am trying to um, publish a data set. Uh, ah. or, or have that open, uh, openly accessible. Yeah. And I was wondering about if there's any uh, UT regulations about that. Well, yes. Uh, uh, well, uh, there are all kinds of regulations, I think. Uh, also, uh, even platforms, especially also, well, in our faculty also are, are being promoted. Like, I will just mention it, and that will also be another episode, I think. Uh, Arida, for example, is a platform where our data stores uh, or data store of the faculty of VMS or in other faculties are trying to to make this possible not just uh, that it's open uh, but you know that research data management have all kinds of aspects uh, the the ethical compliance etc uh, we also have at the UT this is good for you to know uh, a fair data uh, specialist uh, this is uh, a person who focuses you know on making data also open among other things, you know, high, high quality, etc. So, so that's what I mean. You know, there are there are all these worlds uh, going on <laughs> at, at the UT, and and we're really it also goes down to 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 what we will tackle. I'm sure eventually in this uh, podcast, 
which is open science because that's what we're talking about. You know, open access is one part. Research, uh, open research uh, data is another. Open education, etc. Yes, Nicole. Yeah, I, I would like to add in that answer. Um, it, again, if you have questions like that, because you have data stewards at the BMS who can help, we have the fair specialist who can help with that, uh, and and they have websites too. But 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 they're very approachable and willing to help. Just contact your information specialist, and they will refer you. Okay, yeah. I will. Yeah, and as we said before, it's very common. You know, I get a question about research data management, and like, and I'm like, yeah, well, uh, I am not the specialist on that, but I forward it or we discuss it together. And yeah, you know, that's 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 quite normal, and we're trying to make that, like I said, that that process easier, so you don't have to wait on your response or or, or not response or things like that. But yeah, in fact, uh, that's true. And uh, something I wanted to go back because Sophia, you asked about this, and we already mentioned the policy. We mentioned the U the U Journal browser and the discounts, et cetera, the faculty funds. Uh, you mentioned this. Um, so basically in this case, or as of uh, today, there are two faculties in the UT who have an open access fund. Um, the principle of that, and I can tell you specifically about the VMS one, but the other one is also basically the same, more or less. EMCS is the other faculty. Um, you know, in, in the case that uh, for one reason, you you publish in a closed journal, or not not in a closed journal, but in, that you did not anticipate the cost, and you're facing, uh, yeah, the option to publish open access, but there are no funds or, or any situation like that. If, for example, like Thomas said, if if you didn't put it in in the grant that you received for your project, the faculties have uh, tried to promote that you can still publish open access by setting up this fund, and the fund uh, works as a reimbursement, you know, and it's not always uh, to the full amount, it has a maximum, but if you basically apply, there are certain requirements, such as, for example, that the journal you, you chose, uh, and maybe the paper's already accepted, is a high quality uh, open access journal. And we can check that because uh, in the directory of open access journals, the OAJ, that's a platform that we can already check. And we know that if, if a journal is listed there, open access wise and in, in other matters, it's, it's a quality journal, let's say, you know, in that regard. Uh, so if it meets those requirements, the faculty is happy to to help with the cost and it can reimburse part of those costs to the section. Sometimes it covers uh, the whole fee, but you know, it depends on the, on the cost of the journal. So it is, let's say, uh, as also as Nicole mentioned with the policy, it's not that we want uh, you know, to promote that everybody just goes along with this as the first option because there are, like, like Nicole mentioned, 10,000 options with discounts or, or there are journals that, uh, that have, uh, let's say, uh, also this opportunity without necessarily uh, lying on, on, on the phone as a, as a way to publish open access. But this is really uh, something that also pushes the, the let's say, the the open access publication that we have at the UT. It's kind of like a backup resource, you know? So I'm not sure if you will add something to that, Nicole. No, okay. I think that was a very good description. Yeah, yeah. well, and again, uh, we will make sure that the links to the funds, that all this information that we're saying is that uh, they're accessible and, and where this uh, podcast is broadcasted. Um, I would like to start closing up, so I will ask for some final remarks if you have them. Sophia, do you have any final remarks about what we have been discussing? Anything you would like to say? Um, 
Yes. Well, first of all, I think um, it's really nice to have these kinds of conversations because if they don't happen like at the coffee machine or where your colleagues uh, or if you're working from home, then it's really nice to have also some other media uh, to access this information. Um, and then I think that one other remark that I want to do is probably for uh, another episode probably of the podcast, but um, some aspects of open access and more about probably maybe more of about open data can be really confusing from the point of view of the researcher, uh, especially if you're doing research with uh, human participants, for example, because then you go also uh, into all kinds of ethical matters or if you want to share some data. And I, for example, do um, most of all qualitative research. So it's a lot of interviews. It's a lot of, you know, recordings of people voices and, uh, you know, what they say, what they think. In this kind of aspect, it is very scary also from a researcher's point of view to take decisions about open access and no, maybe more open data. Mm -hmm. So since it's something that um, I feel there's a lot of information about, but that's that not everyone has the complete picture of it, uh, it would be very nice to have some guidance. And I think there is probably already some people that we can address um, or we can ask to if we have some doubts in that matter, but maybe that it's important that, you know, researchers know that they can contact someone when they have doubts that concern ethical mm -hmm. issues and open science. Yes. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that's in fact uh, something that will probably come up in another episode. Uh, Thomas, any final remarks? I, I still have one question. Is it Go also? Go ahead. Uh, yes, of course. Yes. All right. So, because in the beginning, um, uh, like one of my first questions was, uh, or remarks was that um, making uh, science available to the general public um, also involves making it easily accessible and uh, easily understandable. Are there any? ways or tools the UT offers to also help with that? Yes, uh, what I can say is also, in fact, uh, another acknowledged element of open science, and there's a lot happening about that in the UT, also BMS, which is citizen science. And, you know, it, it's a whole topic also as well, but that involves, in fact, uh, that, you know, how you really uh, make your results uh, usable and and understandable, reachable to, to the society or societal actors. Um, there's really uh, many initiatives. If I, if I can say, let's say one that we have, for example, at the faculty of VMS, you know, the BMS lab has uh, a lot of these kind of projects. For example, they usually use their famous experivan to try and bring some of research to, let's say, to public uh, events or spaces. Um, but that's, I, I will say, to be honest, that that's something that we're also, that's still under development, nationally even, you know. Uh, we have been to open science uh, festivals and events, and, and it's really something that you still want to hear, okay, how, you know. And it usually, in my perspective, and Nicole maybe can react to that also, I think so far it's a lot about the initiative of researchers, their, their creativity, their project, like, oh, I need to do this because I know it's useful. And I know there is then that support from, from the university or the faculties or the sections, but it should be kind of also the other way around, right? Like that we say, oh, you can do it this way and this way. And uh, I think you will hear more about that also soon, but I don't know if, if you think, Nicole, I'm missing something or anything else you will add to that. Well, 
open science has a lot of concepts. Um, But two of them are the citizen science that you mentioned, um, where, you know, you really involve citizens in in the research process. And and, uh, nice, exciting news is that here at the UT, um, they're developing a citizen science hub. So maybe they'll come back uh, in a podcast at some point. But I think what you're referring to more is is more uh, public engagement, yeah, uh, and th- and that's also part you see that is becoming more and more important because in the open science section for EU grants you have to describe how you're going to involve the public, how you're going to tell them about your research results, and that's becoming more and more important. And uh, we at the library see that it's happening and becoming more important. We don't have, like we have an open access team and we have a data team and there are people at the UT very involved with citizen science. We don't have people yet, as far as I know of, if anyone hearing this knows of them, please let us know. But we don't have people yet really focusing on that public engagement Mm. and we should because it's coming. Yeah, okay. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about that uh, off the mics, like you said, you were saying a bit of what you have done recently, right? Which I will consider it was public engagement. But that, that, that's my point, you know, that uh, there is also that's what they say about open science. It's not that we're reinventing it. We're just recognizing what's already happening and that we want more of, mm-hmm. you know. So to not extend ourselves in, into more episodes, but uh, Thomas, yes, you have something else. Please. No, no, I was just, indeed, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. And I just wanted to, to ask my question was if there's indeed anything specific, like some tools or or, or um, things the information specialist can help us about uh, with, for the, instance. The only thing I know is um, a course that I'm one of the <laughs> co-trainers <laughs> of, <laughs> coincidentally. It's the course, How to Increase the Visibility and Impact of Your Research. Yeah. And, and part of that is r- uh, realizing that, you know, traditionally we as researchers have been communicating with other researchers using jargon that, you know, but, but talking to the public means you ha- really have to make a shift and really have to talk differently and approach it differently. And that's part of that course. Mm. Um, but as far as I know of, that's that's a, f- a first step in mm-hmm. that direction that we have at the UT. Yeah, that's a great initi- initiative, actually. Yeah. And, and before I, I let you also give your input, Sophia, I also want to just quickly mention another thing that is going on that I also want to, yeah, that me and but especially a lot of people at the UT are, are pushing also, which is the recognition and rewards uh, movement, you could call it like that, because... That's exactly the point, you know, that, okay, a publication, of course, has its value because that's uh, it's also traditional, but it has its value. But, yeah, there are other ways to to to, to show the scientific uh, output to, to make it valuable. So that, that's what I mean, you know. It's it's all kinds of things going on, all kinds of discussions, and, and, and then you have to, <laughs> to make that uh, into practical things. And that's something that I, I hope and I know we will be working on in the, in the future, in the near future. Sophia, you also had some. Yeah, so um, what you said about, uh, um, you know, public engagement being more uh, of a uh, researcher's effort for now, um, I agree. I mean, it's mostly like the researchers that they invest some time into, for example, with my project, we do 
press releases when we publish an article. So maybe a short summary in more, let's say, accessible language about what the research is about. But also I can remember we discussed this. Um, so it's going to be probably a very vague input, but maybe will come to us again, um, that there are some resources about, for example, creating multimedia uh, support. So for example, the Media Lab, I think it's called, and they can help you with uh, I think creating infographics and that kind of material that can be reused. So not necessarily support into making it into the content level and sharing it to the content level, but maybe there's some more, you know, lateral ways to get this through in ways that is there are interesting, like visually interesting or, you know, yeah. 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 I don't know if that's something relevant, but that's no, what I, I, I think, think it's relevant and I will even throw a throw in this what we're doing right now because it facilitates podcast, uh, the do-it-yourself studio, we have we have communication specialists as faculties, communication advisors also centrally, you know, but that's what I mean, you know, it's, it, uh, I feel like we, we still need to make that more clear, you know, that there's a whole group of people uh, sometimes in, in behind the scenes, you could say, that can support, but, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's also... Uh, you know, like I said at the beginning, strategizing uh, what we focus on, what, what what do we support first, what do we try to make easier. But what I, I have seen it many times when a researcher who locally for us and for science approaches us, say, hey, I want to do this. Usually we find a way. <laughs> and that's, that, that's, I think, what Nicolas suggested. Contact your information specialist because we're always in contact with each other, like across the library and other uh groups at the UT uh, and and then we can yeah really focus on 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 those specific cases while we're also developing yeah larger strategies to to disseminate these kind of approaches um i would like to close because otherwise i think we will talk forever um but i think it was really nice uh, i would just like to to thank you the three of you for for really being here sofia thomas nicole um I, and I would like to close up as well by recalling the, the name of this podcast, which we baptize as Open Talks. And I think we showed why. <laughs> the, mm. it, we hope to make this space available for all kinds of topics. I mean, usually we're going to be focused on, let's say, uh, yeah, scientific, underlying teams, academia, but the, there's a logic you can cover there. So thank you all. Um, 